0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to all of you here and those of you who are joining us online. It's Family Discipleship Sunday. That's the Sunday when the adults are jealous of the kids' notes. All right. So uh, you can look over the shoulder of the kids and uh, fill fill out those no- notes as you go through. Well, uh, elementary school and high schoolers, how how was your second full week of school? That good! Wow, that's great. And uh, we also want to say welcome to uh, Grace College students. Let's just, let's just say welcome as a church family. I saw, I saw you out there on, when was that, Tuesday or Wednesday, doing the hike. Uh, those of you who are incoming students, we really welcome you to Winona Lake. It's not always that hot around here. I kind of feel a little bit sorry for you, so I hope that was a great experience. Well, we're back into that time of year, aren't we? Where we settle back into our normal rhythms and we reconnect with things that are familiar to us. If you are back in school, you know, you're reconnecting with classmates or you're reconnecting with textbooks and notebooks and pencils. I suppose, nowadays, it's iPads. Uh, if you're uh, in, in college, again, it's your, it's your friends, it's your roommates. You're connecting with uh, new class schedules. Maybe you're connecting at this time of year with sports. It was a big sports weekend in our town, and so there's soccer, and there's football, and there's cross country, and there's volleyball, and all of that is happening. There's so many things to reconnect to, and in all of that reconnecting, let's not forget to reconnect with the most important things, and we find them all in John chapter 15. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles or your devices to John chapter 15. We've been looking at this chapter for the last uh, three weeks, and we're going to look at it here one more time this morning. And as I uh, read through the first 16 verses, I want to kind of focus on uh, the benefits of abiding, because the first thing that we need to connect to, of course, is the source of life. We need to reconnect to the source of life. Of course, we know that the source is Jesus, and it means actively abiding in Him. So as we read these verses, uh, I'm going to kind of pull out some of the benefits of abiding, the benefits of abiding. So here we go. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, And I will abide in you. Now notice that it's mutual abiding. It's a two-way street. As we abide in Christ, he abides in us. That's a huge benefit of abiding the powerful personal presence of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's continue reading. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me i am the vine you are the branches if a man abides in me and i in him he will bear much fruit there's another benefit of abiding is a flourishing thriving productive life we're called to flourish that's part of the benefit of abiding In Christ is a thriving, flourishing life. There's reproduction. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, but also reproducing that in the lives of others. Let's keep reading. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Now, there's a benefit of abiding, right? God hears and answers prayers. Now, don't go crazy here, all right? Uh, He hears and answers prayers that are in accordance with his word and his will, abiding richly in us, uh, defining what we desire and hope for. I'm not promising a Lamborghini through this passage, right? But he hears and answers the prayers of those who abide in him. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. If you obey my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and abide in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Wow, there's another benefit of abiding, right? Unfailing love of God and the joy of the Lord richly abiding in us? Wow, that's awesome. We're not done yet. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Talk about a benefit. Reconciliation with God, friendship with God, relationship with God. Not only that, keep reading. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. It's it's friendship and it's knowledge of God, knowing God's heart, his mind his truth, he's revealed himself to us, and in relationship, abiding in Christ, we get to know God. There is no better thing. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. That is an awesome list. You know, the presence of Christ, a flourishing, thriving life of Productive Reproduction Answers to prayer, unfailing love Lasting joy, friendship with God Knowledge of God Sign me up How do you sign up? Abiding Abiding is how you sign up But that word again, that's not a word we use very often What does it mean to abide? Sam Yider has a whole sermon on this I'm going to give you a couple short thoughts To remind us To abide means to settle in and stay. We're just saying Jesus is my hope and stay. It's to settle in, it's to stay, it's to reside either in a place or in a condition. And there's a sense of permanence to abiding. It's not a momentary flighty kind of thing, abiding. It implies a stable, constant state of being. So when we say, for example she was filled with an abiding sense of peace. What we mean by that is that this peace stayed. It was permanent and it defined who she is. Now, it's fun to stay in a hotel, right? It's kind of fun to stay in a hotel for a night or two. Um, I always think that's interesting and as a kid I especially thought it was really cool to stay in a hotel. So you can stay in a hotel for a night, but do you abide in a hotel? No. Now, Maybe some of you went to camp this summer. Maybe you, maybe you stayed in a camp cabin, a summer camp cabin, for a week. Do you abide in a camp cabin? Some of you are going back to the dorms. You're going to be in a dorm for the next, I don't know, 16 weeks. D- do you abide in a dorm room? Well, maybe a little bit. But when we think about abiding, really abiding, we, we're thinking about home, don't we? We think about home. It, it's, it's the place where we have the deepest and best relationships, and it's the place that shapes us more than anything else into who we are. Of course, uh, when Jesus is talking about abiding, he's not talking about residing in a house either. He's talking about living in a relationship. And so what he's doing when he says abide in me is he's inviting us to settle in and stay In an enduring, permanent, constant relationship with him, which shapes us more than anything else. It shapes us more than anything else. He's saying, make me your home, and I'll make you my home. This is is true stuff. Jesus wants to make his home the place where he abides, his relationship with us, and wants us to do the same with him. In Ephesians chapter 3, paul prays for the believers in ephesus and part of what he prays is what you see on the screen there i pray that out of his glorious riches god may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that why christ may dwell in your hearts through faith christ may dwell in your hearts through faith other versions say so that christ can make his home in your heart Another version says so that Christ can be at home in your heart. Now, I'm so glad that you kids are here this morning and college students because uh, you give me the freedom to resurrect uh, an illustration that I thought I had retired. Uh, (laughs) So some of you will have heard this before, but I'm I'm glad it can be fresh and new for some of you. So uh, whenever I think about this, uh, making our home in Christ and Christ's home in us and that relationship, I always think about this uh, story in my life. Now, you have to understand that my father died when I was six. He died of cancer when I was six. And uh, so I grew up basically without a dad in the home. Now, don't feel bad for me. I had a spectacular mother, all right? She was something else. And uh, so, and I had lots of dads in the church, men who kind of filled in that void, that gap. And so, but I grew up without a dad. And when I was about 26 years old, married and had a kid, my mom, who I thought was ancient, started dating. You know what's going on with that? You know And I found this really weird resistance in my heart to sterling Theobald that's the guy she was dating, right? And I, th- I felt this weird resistance, because somehow maybe as part of my coping mechanism, I don't know defense I, had, I I had lived without a dad, and I didn't need a dad, and, and there was a, there was a, a, a resistance to ha- having someone come into my life who was dad. And so, you know, but I'm cordial, I'm nice, I'm civil, and so they would visit Mary and me in our upstairs apartment on, Ch- on Chestnut Street, and I would be nice, but he was not at home in my heart or in my home, and he knew it. I was nice, I was civil, I was polite. But, but I hadn't really welcomed him uh, in the way that I should have, and I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And so I, I prayed about it, and uh, Mom and Sterling were going to be coming over to the apartment, and I said, God help me. I, what I need to do is the next time he comes up those stairs into an apartment, I need to hug him. And he was a great hugger, by the way. Hug Sterling and say, Sterling, I love you. I am glad you're marrying my mother, and you are welcome in my house. And so they were coming, and I heard the footsteps going up the stairs, you know. And it wasn't like I felt like doing this. Okay, I didn't feel like doing it. I, I have to intentionally choose to do this. And so he gets to the top of the stairs, and I come. And it's probably a little awkward, but I did it, you know. <laughs> Sterling, I love you. And I am glad that you're marrying my mother, and you are welcome in my house. And the most strange, miraculous thing happened at that very moment is that all the resistance that I had just flooded out, and never, never again was there resistance, and of course, those of you who knew Sterling, like, why would you ever resist Sterling? Okay, he's a great guy. Both, both of them uh, went home to be with the Lord last year, uh, but we had, they were married for 25 years, okay, and I was so thankful for that relationship, and that when they were in our home they were at home there because we because of the relationship and and the choice and that's what we need to do in our hearts and minds when it comes to reconnecting with the source of life is that that we need to be intentional about embracing uh, jesus in that relationship and making him at home in our hearts and being at home in his and this is the incredible thing isn't it that it's true that the God who created the universe has invited us this is just mind-boggling it's it's incomparably great he's invited us into relationship with himself not because he needs anything from us God didn't create us to get something from us he doesn't need our relationship he doesn't need our worship he's worthy of our worship but he doesn't need it He created us so that he could share himself with us, the goodness of who he is. And what he's actually done is he hasn't invited us to be God. He's God, we're not. But he has invited us into and to experience and enjoy the goodness of the relationship that is at the heart of who God is between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It blows my mind. He's invited us to experience the relationship that is at the heart of who he is. You'll never get a better offer. Have you, have you ever been jealous of a friendship, kind of wanted to get in on a friendship? I remember when I was in high school. Oh, I, had, I, we, I went to a small high school. I went to Lakeland Christian Academy. And uh, we were like 13 in our class. And there, you know, so we were all friends. We all know each other. But there were these two uh, guys who were friends of mine, but they kind of had a special relationship. And one way that it showed itself was once a week, the mother of one of these guys would bring hot Arby's roast beef sandwiches to lunch and give it to her son and this other friend. And so once a week, I'd sit there and I'd eat my peanut butter jelly sandwich and smell the Arby's roast beef sandwich. And I thought, I so badly want to get into that relationship. <laughs> I just want to be in that relationship. <clears throat> Jesus is offering more than Arby's roast beef sandwiches. Okay? He's saying, I invite you to come into and experience the love relationship that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have. There's nothing greater than that. That's what he's inviting us to do, to abide in him, to make his love our home. Jesus uh, just said, we just read this, as the Father has loved me, so just as God has loved me, so have I loved you. So Jesus has loved us with with the same love that the Father Uh, has shown to him now we are to permanently live in and out of this love he says abide in my love know the same love with which the father loves me know it and abide in it and live out of it make jesus and his love our home so what does it look like to kind of intentionally um, embrace and choose Uh, To abide in Jesus Christ. Well, how how did Jesus abide in his Father's love? How did he abide in his Father's love? Well, uh, we know that he took time away to be be with the Father. And um, we, we know that one way that he abided in the love of the Father, and he said it in this passage, that he obeyed the Father. He obeyed the Father. Because obedience is God's love language, all right? Not because he needs our obedience, but because... When we obey, we are trusting him that his ways are good and right and that they lead to life. And it brings the Father joy when we obey because it's for our good. And everything he tells us to do is for our good. And so Jesus obeyed the Father, and it didn't always feel good at all. And yet he obeyed and in that way abided. And so he says to us, abide in my love, keep my commands. But one way that he abided um, in his Father's love is that you notice as you read the Gospels that Jesus knew the Word of God. He knew the Scriptures. The Scriptures, the revelation of God, uh, dwelt richly in Jesus. And so we, too, need to connect deeply with the Word of God. And so that's one of the challenges for us is to—how do we uh, um, intentionally embrace this invitation— to abide in His love. Well, one way is to let His words abide in us. Jesus said, "Let my words abide in you." So, how are you going to do that? How, how are we going to do that as a congregation, as an individuals? How are we going to let the word abide richly in us, to dwell in us, to have its home in us? His words. Well, there's lots of ways. Um, hey, starting uh, next Sunday, we are beginning a sermon series in First Peter and one way that we abide uh, in him and allow his words to abide in us is as we worship together and look into his words together and in your bulletin today is the reading guide for the first peter series and that's another way to let his word abide in you richly is to follow that reading guide there are also blogs you can go to the main page of our website, and go down to the bottom, and you can click onto the Live it blog, and there are devotionals for each of those daily readings that you can check out. But when it comes to worshiping together, I, uh, man, make, just embracing abiding in Christ also means making that choice—choice choice to be together in worship uh, as we dive into First Peter. And of course, there are people out there uh, with really good health reasons. Uh, that they need to still stay at home and join us online. In fact, I've seen a couple pictures recently of um, back porch worship, uh, where where families are coming together, a couple families, and they're joining us online. Hello to all the uh, back porch worshipers uh, this morning, but do that in community. They do it with a small group. They do it with a couple families. They come together around the Word of God, worship together in community, and that just needs to be an intentional choice of you. It's a choice. It's It's part of how we intentionally embrace abiding in Jesus. Hey, um, students, grace students, uh, opportunity tonight to gather uh, relationally around the Word of God in worship. That's awesome. And just encourage you as students to to check out some churches and, and give some time to each, but then make that choice to say, I'm... I'm, I'm not just going to spectate, I'm just not going to observe, I'm not just going to consume, but I'm going to get involved in the life of the church. A- abiding in Christ, and when we, when we get involved with the church, we are connecting with the body of Christ, and therefore abiding in Christ. <clears throat> lots and lots of ways to do that. I mean, there's just unlimited resources. I've given some at the bottom of your notes there, as far as different Ways to find Bible reading plans to allow the word of God dwell in you richly. We, here's what's frustrating, is I feel like we sometimes are dying of thirst. We are dehydrating in an endless sea of spiritual resources. They're, they're all around us and all available. Choose one. Make that intentional choice. I'm going to embrace abiding in Jesus, and I'm going to choo- choose a resource and I'm going to follow through on it. So reconnecting to the source of life, that's Jesus. Let's make a choice. What's your plan this fall for uh, abiding in Christ? That's the first one. We want to reconnect to the source of life, Jesus, actively abiding. Here's the second one. Reconnect to friends in life. Reconnect to friends in life. So the, the primary fundamental challenge is to abide in christ and if we abide in christ one of the primary ways that will be reflected is as we choose to love each other that the last command we read there in the text was love each other love each other if you abide in me you will love each other that's kind of the proof the evidence that you really are abiding in me because you've experienced the goodness the joy of my love and and it came at a high cost Uh, You've entered into relationship with me now Respond by giving it to others. So pursuing Spiritual friendships. That's kind of what it comes down to We read this um, Last week a little bit longer quote. Here's just one sentence out of it That that pursuing spiritual Friendships can hurt it can hurt Uh, Paul David Tripp uh, wrote God puts broken people next to broken people Not so they would be comfortable with one another But so they would function as agents of transformation In the lives of one another Having real relationships That really change us more and more into the image of Christ Can be awkward, uncomfortable, and can even hurt a little bit And when I think about that I think about this story Which many of you are probably familiar with the Velveteen Rabbit. Now, kids, if you don't know about the Velveteen Rabbit, then your parents have not educated you as they should have. But fortunately, I'm here. All right. Now, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, or, and there, no spoiler alerts because I won't tell you how it ends, but it's a story about a plush stuffed toy rabbit. This is kind of the original toy story. So, this uh, stuffed rabbit is uh, bought and is living, so to speak, in the bedroom of this little boy. And that's where we'll pick up the story. For a long time, he lived in the toy cupboard in the nursery. Being only made of velveteen, some of the expensive mechanical toys quite snubbed him and pretended they were real. What is real? asked the rabbit one day. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? The only toy who was kind to the rabbit was the skin horse. The skin horse had lived in the nursery longer than any of the others, and he was very wise. Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens when a child loves you. It takes a long time. Generally, by the time you are real, Most of your hair has been loved off. You get loose in the joints and very shabby. Does it hurt? Asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse. But when you are real, you don't mind being hurt. The rabbit sighed. He longed to become real. And yet the idea of growing shabby was rather sad. He wished that he could become real, without uncomfortable things happening to him. Don't we, too, wish that we could become more and more real and real relationships that really transform our lives without it being uncomfortable and challenging and maybe even hurting us? But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If we're going to be real and have real relationships, spiritual friendships that that the Lord uses to transform our lives more and more into his image, we're going to have to be willing to enter into things that might hurt a little bit. Was was Jesus hurt in his friendships? They, They misunderstood him often. They were slow to understand and believe. Oh, you of little faith. He said to them, Instead of listening to him, they were arguing about who was the greatest among them that had to been disappointing to Jesus that they weren't getting it. One betrayed him. At his deepest moment of need, instead of praying for him, they all fell asleep. One denied him, and all of them deserted him. Was Jesus hurt? in his spiritual friendships? Sure, but he still loved them. He didn't protect himself from them. Instead, he gave himself for them, and he does the same for us. If we live in that kind of love, Christ's unfailing love for us, where we go back and again and again, when when we know that we've sinned against him, and we confess our sins, and we know that he forgives us, and he sticks with us, When we live in that truth, then then we can enter into relationships, pursue and develop spiritual relationships, knowing that there will be some hurt along the way, but knowing that because Jesus has loved us so fully and completely, we can enter into and love others that way. As you know, I like to say this we are not, as a church, a new car showroom. We are a what? A repair shop, a workshop. That's what we are. That's what we are. And uh, so we come in with, with scratches and dents and making funny noises and carburetors needing cleaned out. And that's about as far as I go on mechanical stuff. <laughs> you know, th- th- things aren't all working right. Uh, and and we need help, and we need each other, and we find healing. But we only find that healing because Jesus, through his Spirit, works through believers in each other's lives as they live in spiritual friendships and relationships. And we, we come in with broken relationships, and we come in with addictions, and we come in uh, having experienced sexual abuse. We come in with hearts that are hard with unforgiveness. We come in with arrogance or anxiety, and fear. And you know we don't want to ignore those things and live in denial. We want we, as a church we want to deal with those things. We're even going to have a chance to, to talk about some of the things more in the coming weeks. But but where do we find healing? We find healing not not by living in isolation, protecting ourselves from each other, but instead li- pursuing and developing spiritual relationships where we allow the spirit to work through us in each other's lives. So I encourage you It will hurt, but it'll be worth it to pursue and develop spiritual friendships, or, or maybe, maybe develop a new, this fall, make it a plan to pursue and develop a new spiritual friendship or transform an existing friendship into a spiritual one. How do you do that? Well, you begin by praying for the person, and then you invite the person to pray with you, and you make prayer a part of what you do together. And you you may say, well, I tried that, and it hurt. It didn't work out. I went to a life group, and it didn't didn't work out. Or I I pursued somebody in relationship and friendship, and and I got hurt. And here's my plea to you. Try again. Try again. Don't give up. Try again. Uh, Life groups, adult Bible fellowships, individual relationships. uh, Don't isolate yourself. Instead, continue, by God's grace, to pursue spiritual friendship. Try again. Try again try again. Jesus does it with us. He never gives up. He never gives up. And and so we we also should try again in our relationships knowing that sometimes it will hurt. That's the second thing. We've got to remember to reconnect. Reconnect to the source of life. That's Jesus. We need to actively abide in him. That's absolutely crucial. Secondly, we need to reconnect to friends uh, in life. Spiritual friendships. Love sacrificially. It can sometimes hurt. But let's keep at it. And as we love each other, the world will see that our faith is real, that Jesus is real. And finally, the third thing to remember to reconnect to, to be intentional about embracing, is reconnecting to our purpose for life, which is to be fruitful, to bear fruit. Our culture worships self. We just, it, it, it exalts self. It's all about affirming every individual's self-creation and self-expression. The problem is that the self-life is corrupted and distorted by sin. We can't trust self any further than we can throw ourselves. The self-life turns out to be really hollow and empty in the end, a real dead end. We just read these words from Jesus. You can't bear good fruit by yourself. No good fruit. When that's just the self-life, apart from Jesus. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you live the self-life, you're not going to get anywhere. If you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's where self-life gets us. Gain the whole world, lose your soul. That is not thriving. That is not flourishing. That is not being fruitful. But we don't have to be slaves to self. We we can join in Christ's mission in the world. Jesus didn't say we had to give up joy. Instead, he said we had to give up the self-life. We had to die to self We have to die to the tyranny of self in our lives. To the dominion of my rights and my freedom and my comfort and my pleasure and my ease. And join God in in giving of ourselves for the good of others in his mission. And if we do, we'll discover this incredible paradox of life. That when you let go of yourself, you discover the truth. Self That God has intended for you to be as you trust in him And that's full of thriving and full of flourishing and full of joy Let's get back to where we started though. It all still comes back to abiding. This is what Tony Evans says I like this quote Don't worry about locating your purpose If you are seeking God your purpose will locate you <coughs> Students, as you're heading back into school, I, I, remember, I remember those years of driving my boys to school, dropping them off at um, the middle school and then the high school and the happy day when they had driver's licenses. <laughs> but, but I also enjoyed those trips, those trips taking them to school. And we would pray together, and I, I would so often say to them, hey, you know, today you just have no idea what kind of an impact and an influence you can have on your peers. If, if you'll be able to not just focus on yourself and what people think about you and about what your next class is and what the homework is that you didn't do and how you're going to get around that. And, um, if, if you can just stop focusing on self and for a second look up and recognize other students. And if you can look someone in the eyes and smile and say hi as a starter, you, you wouldn't believe the impact you can have. But you have to choose to let go of this obsession that we all have with just ourselves, just ourselves. Lift up. Let's lift up our eyes from ourself. We get so obsessed with self and say, look, there are people around that God wants me to impact. That's being fruitful. That's being fruitful as we get past ourselves and look to others. And there'll be lots of opportunities for us to think about this this fall. One thing we want to think about is this whole idea of the acronym Bless. We want to bless our neighbors. What, what does bless stand for? Begin with prayer. Eat with them. No, I'm sorry, listen. That's L, right? Begin with prayer. L, listen, listen. Talk and listen. I, I rush to the eat part. I <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for E, okay? So uh, E is eat with them, um, s the first s is to serve find ways to serve and then the final s is to share share your story and the, the great story of jesus christ and we want to think about that that's joining in christ's mission and getting eyes off of self and looking at others later in the fall we're going to offer an elective on sunday morning called shape which has to do with discovering your spiritual gifts and thinking about how to use them another way to now that is taking a look at yourself for a while but thinking about how god has made you to serve and to be used by him in other people's lives reconnecting to our purpose in life is to be fruitful that only happens as we get our eyes off of ourself and and look outward and so we want to do that the last paragraph of chapter 15 is a reality check reconnecting to the source of life reconnecting to friends in life and reconnecting to your purpose in life it's not going to be a cakewalk right it's going to be, you have to take intentionality, and it might even hurt. It might be hard, but it'll produce wonderful things when we as a church do it and you as individuals. So let me just say this at the end. We've got to make an intentional plan as individuals and as a church to reconnect with the most important things. And this last year has been crazy. And uh, shutdown and um, social distancing and masks, and all this kind of thing, you know, in in one ways, it it was for some people a little bit of a retreat, right, from the intensity of life, and and all the engagement, and so for some people, actually, it was a bit of a, whoo, you know, especially the introverts kind of like this whole thing, but, um, and so, but the problem, it's good to retreat, but sometimes when we retreat and stay there, it's not healthy for our souls. We We may think or feel that it's healthy for our souls, but it's not. Because when we retreat and stay there, that becomes isolation. And the gaps and the separation and and the walls that get built get bigger and higher and harder to get over. And so we need to intentionally choose to embrace abiding in Christ, pursuing spiritual friendships, looking upward and outward. Um... And as we do that, we'll find the life that God wants for us and be his light in this world. Let's pray together. Father God, I just pray that you would help us, Lord, to know your heart in these things and to to make that intentional choice to uh, reconnect with those things that really matter in life. And, of course, you're at the very center of that. So I pray for each of us that we would have a plan. What's our plan for um, reconnecting with you in meaningful ways, to abide in you, to stay, to remain, To make you our home and for us to be your home and to live in that relationship. I pray, God, that we would have the courage to pursue real relationships, spiritual relationships that that your spirit can use to really transform our lives. Help us to be willing to be a a repair shop, a workshop, and not some kind of a facade of independence or um, perfection, but instead recognizing we all need your grace. And finally, God, I just pray... Uh, that you would lift our eyes to look outward, that we would be fruitful because uh, we are joining your mission and not being stuck on self. We need you in all of this. We ask that you would do this work in our lives. And all God's people said,